Welcome to Books and Beyond with your hosts, Karen and Louisa. Join us for half an hour of information, entertainment, reading recommendations, and beyond. Brought to you by Auckland Libraries. I know this girl, and she works in a library, yeah. Kia ora, kia orana, everyone. Welcome to Books and Beyond. Today I'm chatting with Renee Hollis, uh, author and photographer of a new book from Exile Publishing, uh, Keepers of History, New Zealand Centenarians Tell Their Stories. I have a copy here. Um, with my, I have a copy of the book here with me. I can tell you it's, this is a very special book. Uh, it is the life stories of 38 centenarians living in all parts of our country. They were The stories were collected by Renee in 2017. And um, I think that uh, looking at the book, I feel, I feel surely it has not been done before. This, uh, this type of book um, and so I think that Renee has done something very special very lasting, very memorable a gift to all New Zealanders thank you so much Renee um, I want to ask you how did the book come about where did the idea come from you, uh, it's your idea isn't it it is, kia um, so the book came out of a few different ideas so I, I looked at society and I looked at older people and I thought that sometimes they weren't valued and respected as much as I'd like them to be. And I thought that maybe some of them were a little bit invisible in our communities. And I agree with you there. Yeah, and I thought, what if I sat next to someone and just asked them a few questions? What, what, what stories would they tell me? And what could I learn from their wisdom of being around, you know, 100 years or more? So... Yeah, it came through that, and also the World War Two veterans as well. That was a focus too. So ah, okay. Yeah. So rather than a sort of a lightning bolt moment, it was a an idea that evolved different um, aspects of yeah. thinking came together to create. It did, this yes. Book. And um, I just started thinking that maybe I could interview twenty people, and I thought maybe if I could interview. A World War Two veteran, that would be amazing, like one person. And in the end, I ended up interviewing 120 centenarians from all parts of New Zealand and 21 World War Two veterans. So wow. It was, it was amazing. <laughs> yeah. How did it grow to be such a big project? I mean, um, in the book you tell us you travelled 13,000 kilometres in total up and down the country um, interviewing. I mean, first of all, you had to find... the find everyone. I, I don't suppose there's a list you could ring up a government department and say hi there, you know <laughs> after all of our country centenarians um, so, well is there no, a no, government there department that does that? No. no. So yeah. how, 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 did it, how did that happen? Because um, I don't think it would be easy. No, it was, um, to start with, I did wonder, the same as you, I sort of thought, how can I track down these people? And obviously they needed to be lucid enough to be interviewed too, which was really important. And, um, yeah, so I, um, I sort of started by looking at newspaper articles and also finding people on television. So I found Gorda Brown driving a Lamborghini at the age of 100 um, for his birthday treat and I thought wow I want to interview him and other people it was sort of word of mouth and then I had a little bit of publicity too and then people started contacting me and saying oh, ah. can you interview my auntie or I went to Dunedin and then someone said oh I'm pretty sure that there's identical twins 
that you could interview that we've heard about. So then I found them and then I also found a nun who was um, 102, so I interviewed her. And so lots of word of mouth as well as, um, yeah, ringing around and doing a bit of research. So mm, You make it yeah. sound so easy. I'm not... <laughs> oh, it was a lot of work. It yeah. was a lot of work, yeah. yeah. Actually, there is the... I wonder how the Queen finds out about everyone turning 100. You know, how... Uh, do, does everyone turning 100 still get the, the birthday card or... or they what do, but they actually have to apply for it. Ah. Yes, so, um, yes, and I've seen many, many cards from the Queen, so people are very proud to show me their cards. Oh, good on yes. the Queen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but, so you've interviewed 120 people, but how many... So not book? all of them could be in the book. Um, I think... When I was talking to the publisher, um, they just said to me, look, it's going to be a massive book if you include everybody, or we just have to have a small paragraph on one person, and it doesn't really do a person justice Mm. to live in New Zealand for over 100 years and just have a paragraph. So, um, yeah, so we chose people and made sure we covered all the different regions, and um, yeah, and started to put it together with photographs as well, so... Ooh, yeah. is that hard? I, I imagine that would have been really difficult after um, making that con- contact with um, people and, you know, that transaction of I'm, I'm talking, uh, you know, I'd like to share your story in my book and then having to yes. make that hard decision. Was it, well, did you have a team of people behind you that helped with They that? did and it's, um, I went on a book tour when the book was out for two weeks and I reconnected with lots of the families and it was really lovely to catch up with them and that was one of the questions that was often asked and how did you choose who to put in and who not to and yeah, it's, it's something that to begin with I'd never sort of anticipated that I'd have to sort of have these issues mm. and, and I also didn't anticipate that I'd sort of be quite emotionally involved with some of the families because some of like one daughter was contacting me quite regularly for two years up to the when the book was out and sort of with the updates of her mum and what's happening and people were regularly emailing me and yeah this sort of became part of the family yeah sort of became part of the family so (laughs) I didn't realize it ended up with so many friends that were over 100 as well so (laughs) yeah it's been um, unexpected I suppose Oh, yeah. I, I want to ask a question when you said that I've got so many friends over 100. Are any of them on Facebook or social media, by the way? You know, do you keep it, how do you keep in contact? Uh, well, some, of them, some of them are on email. And I did have a texting buddy who was about 104. And wow. he would fire back messages quite fast. Whoa. <laughs> um, yeah, but some of them have embraced technology and really, you know, really into it. And others are not interested. So mm. some of them are like to Skype their great-grandchildren and things like that. So. Yes, yeah. of course. When there's an interest, when it's something in it for you, you you uh, you do tend to embrace technology more, don't you? Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. If you've got family living overseas, of course, you know. Oh, Skype, yes. Um, so I was thinking about um, they're all over one hundred, but the ages. What were the at the time when you spoke to them in two thousand seventeen? What was the age ranges from one hundred to from one hundred to one hundred nine? That was the oldest person in Uh New Zealand. Yeah, Madeline Anderson. She was born in Dunedin and then she was living in in Upper Hutt for a long time as Mm, well. She's the first in the book? Yes, it goes from oldest to youngest. Oh, silly me. (laughs) I should have picked that up. (laughs) And um, so was there a characteristic that you, you know, 
after well, chatting to um, 120 of them, was there a common characteristic that sort of gave that clue to their longevity or um, hmm. they were all just really special individuals? <laughs> yes, um, some of them... Thinking about my lifestyle and what yes. changes I might need to make. <laughs> well, some of them you can't make those changes because I looked at the statistics of the people I interviewed and some of them, most of them... There was a high percentage of people that were firstborn, so the oldest in the family, and oh. that was interesting. And oh, that's good for me. Yeah, <laughs> oldest. <laughs> and then I also looked at other things like when they were born, and there was a really high percentage of people being born in the winter, which was a little bit un- yeah interesting as well. So um, I think some people were very strict about their diet, and then others were would just eat anything. They said, "I'll eat anything that's fattening," and they loved ice cream and cream and fish and chips and. So, um, yeah, and then other people said, look, I've smoked most of my life, I've been a diabetic, I've had all these, every medical condition you can imagine, and I'm still alive. (laughs) Um, Some of it you couldn't really explain. Others had older family members, and then some people, their parents died quite young, so... Yeah, um, I noticed that that, um, a lot of them had... um, a lot of deaths early on in yeah. their lives, you know, with yes. people and their family or parents, um, mm. especially. So, um, okay, so there was no no clue there. So. Not really, but I think I just think gen- generally with that generation, they're very stoic and very sort of staunch, mm. and they just have this attitude that they're just going to get on with life and whatever's yeah. thrown at them, they'll just take it and just keep moving forward. Exactly. That's what um, I picked up from from um, the ones that I've read so far yeah. in your book is um, they're still full of life. Yes. And some are quite feisty, you know. They're just some little little ladies are sort of, you know, quite got lots of gumption and go yeah. and huge amounts of energy. Um, I interviewed one man who went out and brought a new sports car when he was 103 and he was driving it all over Dunedin and Mosgill and um, he just had so much energy and he kind of leapt out of his lazy boy and then he was chasing me down the flights of stairs to lunch and I was just <laughs> like, whoa. <laughs> it was really surprising. Did you ask to yeah. see his birth certificate? You know, just to like double check, you know, this sprightly man. <laughs> no, but his daughter said even up to about two weeks before he died, he was still running up and down the stairs and just, he was just full of energy. Yeah. Oh, so he's in died yes yes so he's died yeah so that's been another sad part of the book as well that it's unusual putting a book together where lots of your stars are slowly dying Mm. um and yeah so that's been yeah been quite sad too yeah yeah family members letting me know and things like that so so uh, very sad but in a way great that you got their story yes it's so special yeah and, um, and the families are just so 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 thankful and proud that their stories have been recorded and other people can read them as well. So. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm I'm really grateful for you to sh- for sharing this. I especially like some of the photographs um, okay. uh, uh, that you've obviously um, that have come from their fo- family photo albums, and uh, you must have so that each. Um, each centenarian has got uh, what uh, four or five photos from their album and and amongst their stories. So you must yeah. be privy to quite a quite a, um, 
uh, uh, showing images of New Zealand history. You, know, <laughs> <I> was, <laughs> you could I, add a historian to your yes, name. Yes, I um, could. Um, some people got a bit carried away. There was one lady that came out with literally suitcases of photos, and I thought, whoa, this is going to take a while. So, <laughs> um, yes, but, and also in the whole process, it was quite a challenge for me because I'd meet someone for the first time. I'd have to build trust and rapport with them and then I'd have maybe two or three hours and they had to sort of try to pull out the best stories in a hundred years. So, um, and then often all the family was sitting around listening as well, yeah. um, which was special, but it added to the pressure. Yes. Um, and I thought, okay, well, this is my only shot at talking to this person. So, you know, let's hope that they bring out some interesting things. And yeah, so yeah, it was, was a good... Wow, yeah. yeah. I, whatever it's... I, um, uh, Sister Mary... Fitzpatrick. Fitzpatrick, yeah. that's right. I was reading her story and, you know, casually telling us what she'd done, how she entered the Little Sisters of the Poor and what year and where she'd been posted. Then, bang, all of a sudden she casually mentions <laughs> that she was... Um, um, imprisoned, um, a prisoner of war in France by the Germans and spent yes. how many years there? And, um, and I went, wow, I didn't expect that. That was, <laughs> <laughs> yes, it yeah, was an amazing, was amazing story. Yeah, and so open. I just felt very honored with everybody I spoke to that they were, yeah, I just felt honored and privileged that they were sharing their stories with me. It, mm. was, it was amazing. Yeah. And they seemed to, um, a couple of them. Uh, you say oh, they didn't quite remember all the detail, but some of the details is oh. very clear, isn't it? Their oh, long-term yeah. memory is still incredible. Incredible, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the detail that um, Sister Mary was um, telling us was just amazing. How you know the train station and um, who helped her, and you know, and we're talking about what 1940 around mm-hmm. then aren't we so um just amazing um power of memory they ha- all seem to have um i actually really like the way you've presented the book as well where for each person we have um let me see i'm i'm pulling opening one up here at the page and now you now i can't find one <laughs> Where you've got each year oh, okay. that they're yeah. born and a little snapshot of what happened um, that year, especially um, events of the year. And so we get a, a sort of form a picture before we start reading these stories about the beginning of their life, what the world was like mm. when they were born. And we've also got um, other famous people born that year. So, you know, they're, they're sort of cohorts that they lived their lives um, alongside, well, not alongside, but um, for example, nine, four, 1914, we've got Tenzing Norgay was born 29th of May, a mountaineer. Um, so, um, yeah, I really like this touch where we're, we're sort of um, laying the foundation for... Yeah, yeah, I thought it was important stories. just to, yeah, just for people to sort of get a picture of, of what life was like and what was happening at, at that time as well, so... Yeah, I think it's yeah. a brilliant idea. And tell me about the little flowers <laughs> on each. You've got these yellow flowers on each Oh, page. that was the designer that, that put that together. Oh, yeah. I just thought this is Renee being the creative photographer. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I just kept noticing the flowers on each page oh, okay. and um, yeah. really um, 
just really drawn to this book, Renee. It's just very, very special. Thanks. So. Yeah. But it's not your first book. No, no. This is well. This is my first published book. Um, but I have self-published nine books before this. So. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, You've got, um, let me go through them. Well, actually, 2006 was your first one. I've got a bit of a smile on my face <laughs> with this one. Yep. Maniki Island, Our Paradise. That was your first My book. very first book, yes. Yes. Yep. And so as some listeners who listen to the Books and Beyond regularly will know that my dad is from Maniki and uh, the islands of Maniki and Rakanga. So um, hence my big smile. So you took a teaching role um, in Maniki and uh, which village? of the two villages in Tsuka yeah Um, in 2006 um, how long were you there for? so I was there 2005 I was there just for the year and yeah it was an incredible experience for me (laughs) how did you get there by the way I've never been I feel quite embarrassed that I've never been to my own family's island and here you are Renee from Nelson yeah it was just sort of um, it was difficult at that stage to get teaching jobs in New Zealand and so I thought me being a little bit dreamy I thought oh wow maybe I could go and teach in the Pacific and so I just sent out my CV to all the, the you know the education ministers and um, said is there any jobs going and about two years later you know Cook Island styles um, <laughs> <laughs> the Minister of Education rang me and said there's a job in Manahiki and I said where's that you know so he said oh have a look on the map or something and so I saw this little dot and I thought okay this looks interesting and so (laughs) I think I was about 25 at the time and I thought yeah I could do that a bit of an adventure and um and well, it, it is, was. isn't it? Yeah. Did you get there? Did you go there by boat or plane? <laughs> I flew there, and it was um, yeah, it was amazing. Even just landing with you know waves on one side and coconut trees on the other, and suddenly just sort of dive, diving down and landing with the cor- on the coral, and um, yeah, and then the adventure began. So. Was it um, how well prepared were you for life on Manhiki? And <laughs> after, um, I was very, did you go straight from Nelson? No, I was in in Araratonga for a few days and um, yeah and then flew up with with the principal and a few of the other teachers so I had really no idea what I was getting myself into yeah I was living on a hurricane shelter um, teaching at the local school and um, yeah it was it was a very beautiful place to be living Ooh. yeah <laughs> um, I'm just so wrapped that you chose our island to go there, actually. Well, they chose, and, and they chose you. So yes, it was, a, it was yes. a phone call out of the blue, wasn't it? It was, yeah. Um, so how old were the children that you, and how many did you teach? Um, so I was teaching um, sort of in the middle school. So it was um, like nine to 12-year-olds. Yeah. Yes, it was. Um, Have you stayed in touch with them, anyone since? Uh, yes, yeah, some of my students are friends with me on Facebook, which Aww. is fun, <laughs> and um, and yeah, and other people from the village, and yeah, part of the Manahikian people or people from Raro. So yeah, it's nice. I did see some relatives in in the book. Where I mean, when the book came out, um, it was very special to us. We loved it. Um, in my family, we all have a copy each because you, you, you've signed them actually. So I think my sister bought them direct from you okay. uh, when it was first released. Um, so um, uh, you've depicted Manahiki as it is, beautiful photographs, but very real. I remember the section on the food thinking, you know, being an urban girl and... <laughs> 
<laughs> thinking, oh, you know, that's too, uh, that's a little bit, uh, you know, yeah. <laughs> raw and um, real for, for me. I buy my food from the supermarket, you know. <laughs> um, but um, I, we just loved the uh, every image. I still go through the book um, on a regular basis. Um, did you plan on doing the book before you went there? Or did, is it no, not something? at all. It was, um, I mean, I'd always been interested in photography. And I um, yeah, studied photography at high school and, um, yeah, I went to Manahiki and I was teaching, but I was living by myself and at the end of the day I was a little bit bored. I didn't really know what to do with myself. There's no, I didn't have a TV or radio or anything to read and so I thought I might just wander around and take some photos and talk to people and that's sort of how it started. And then as I started talking to people, I realised the distance between New Zealand and Manahiki more so and them talking about family that they hadn't seen for a long long time and how that they missed them and then talking to um, Manahikians in New Zealand and realizing that huge gap and and yeah the whole idea behind it was to reconnect people back to their island and um, and it was also a motivating factor with um, Hurricane Martin the fact that lots of the photographs had disappeared in the hurricane and they didn't have the photographic sort of evidence of their islands. So I thought, well, why not put it together and... Um, Start again. Yeah. Wow. Yes, well, thank was, you so much. Yeah. So you, it's worked. People like me in New Zealand reconnecting me with with my family mm. and um, culture back home yeah. and images. I just love it. And there was, you've got a, 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 a saying um, on most of the pages or a pro- proverb or something. Um, under nature, we've got... Uh, the richness I achieve comes from nature, the source of my inspiration by Claude Monet. So yeah, yeah, I do, I do like quotes as well. Um, yeah, it was it was a really special book to put together and I also knew that all of the names people would connect in New Zealand and I'd be able to figure out how they're related to them mm-hmm. because the names are very traditional Yes, and passed on. So I thought, yeah, I'm sure that people will, will understand that. And... Um, I went up to, so this was 2006, I put the book together and then I came up to Auckland and I went to Cook Island 21st and that was the first time I'd really spoken to people from Manahiki or connected the book to me. And Did um, they all show up with, with a copy of their book to pay you to sign? Um, <laughs> some of them did, but some of the mamas, they just held on to the book and they were just so proud and I thought, wow, all that hard work was worth it. So yeah, that was really special for me. Oh, well, it's yeah. very special for us. So thank you, Renee. And then, so it started your sort of life in publishing, so it shall did. we say. Um, yes. So what the ne- you've also went on to teach somewhere else, um, or was there a gap between um, teaching so, Yeah, so I taught in New Zealand and then I also taught in Africa and Botswana. And then I've taught in New Zealand again, I sort of teaching and traveling and then working on books. And yeah. yeah. And then I also did a book on Aitutaki as well. So I don't think we yeah. have that one here. I couldn't find it in the library. We oh, do okay. have it in the library. We have all your <laughs> other books except the one from Africa, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, um, but all your other books we do have. And um, tell me about the people of Golden Bay. And I particularly like the artists of Golden Bay as well. So, this is your home? Uh, yes. Well, you're from now. Um, I'm from Nelson. Golden Bay is about an hour and a half drive from from where I live. And, um, yeah, it's a beautiful place. A lot of people go there for holidays. And it's 
Um, an interesting mixture of people. Um, sort of in the 1970s, lots of hippies moved there. And so we've got very alternative communities. And then there's really old school farmers that have been there four or five generations. So there's kind of really interesting mix of... An eclectic um, mix of yeah, Kiwi cultures. <laughs> yeah, and so for an example, I'd go to, say, the dog trails in the morning and then I'd go to the Mardi Gras in the afternoon. It was sort of that kind of town. Um, yeah, and it was a really fun project to work on. I met lots of interesting characters and took photos and talked to them. And Well, I've yeah, never been to together. Golden Bay, so I really enjoyed um, the people of Golden Bay and also the artists. The photography yeah. is amazing. Yeah, there's some incredible artists. And to start with, I was just going to do one book, but it was just getting too big. So I had I separated the two books and, um, yeah, focused on the artists. And, yeah, it was a real privilege to go into their space, their creative space, and watch mm-hmm. them working and, and talking to them. And, yeah, it was quite inspiring. Yeah. So, so um, is creativity in your family, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Um, on my father's side, my nana was a painter and my dad draws a little bit and my auntie likes to do a bit of drawing. And um, So you've all got yes. your specialty. Yeah, I think there's cr- definitely creative genes on the Hollis side of the family. Aha. Uh-huh. So, yeah. There we go. So yeah. you'll have to capture their stories. There is someone with the surname Hollis in uh, is. history. There is, she's actually not related, but she was living on Waiheke Island, and she was born in Wales. She was, she was a real hoot, and at the time she was actually in hospital when I interviewed her, and she just showed away all the doctors and nurses and said, "Now come and sit over here." And so I did, <laughs> and she just chatted away for hours, and oh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. So, so. special, yeah. Well, going back to the, your books, that your self-published books, what I notice is that they are all the same size. Um, say similar format, different subjects, but similar format, similar font, fonts. They m- most of them have their the the sayings yeah, and quotes yeah. you've got. So they're, they're like a series of um, works by Renee Hollis. But then Keepers of History is a breakaway. It is, yeah. It's quite different. Is it the start of a new series? Do you, or what's I think so. What's next for Renee? That's, <laughs> that's where we're going here. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of ideas floating around. Um, yeah, it's. I think Keepers, I had never put a book together with so much text before. Um, but I thought that it was really important to share these people's stories. And it's all in first person. And when you're reading it, I really wanted people to, when you're reading about Flora, to hear her voice. When you're hearing mm-hmm. about... Um, Tom, you can hear his voice coming through and so I thought that was really special and some of the families have commented and said I could just hear mum talking and that was the biggest compliment for me. So um, yeah, I didn't I didn't think I could do it justice rewriting it. I really wanted it just the way that they spoke. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah. well done. So you've um, translated a bit of oral history into text. I think so. With, with yeah. Your and I'd love to do well. more, more yeah. of the oral history. Yeah. That's, that's that's quite a skill. So, so yeah, well done, you. Um, yeah. So, um, keepers uh, of history. Will there be a part two with the um, other stories? Or yeah, you? we're sort of looking at the moment with the publishers maybe doing something with the other people that were not in the book. So mm-hmm. maybe looking at some of the quotes that they shared or something else, but. Um, yeah, yeah I'll, I'll keep you posted with okay, that Okay, yeah. <laughs> and I also sort of thought some of those stories sort of, they were so, like you say, their voice and um, a detailed story. It was almost as if they deserved their own book or movie. So, yeah, you, I could just, you told it so well that it, 
the the images you know and um feeling i was getting was that yeah. they just you know each story is what five or six pages sort of depended yeah some of them were a little bit shorter some are longer yeah yeah so you fitted in this whole life in these pages but it seems you know so much more than just six pages if you know what i mean yeah Um, Yeah. so yeah so yeah i think some of them were incredible storytellers you know when they're talking to me i could just imagine everything and they're quite animated and and some i remember one man who was wasn't mobile he just sort of sat in his chair all day and when he started talking he just became sort of became alive and you know he was getting quite energized and sort of throwing his arms around and sort of sharing all these stories and people really enjoyed being listened to i think so, ah yeah so yeah. it's that human need there's a human interaction that um mm. yeah so th- they were just waiting for you renee to show up <laughs> <laughs> i think so and some some people wrote notes before i came you know preparing themselves uh-huh. that they want to talk about certain things um some people they've sort of asked me you know what kind of questions did I ask well I remember one lady I just sat down and she just took off and I don't think I even got a question in she you know it was like three hours of just talking and so I was like wow okay <laughs> so yeah whereas other people didn't expand or elaborate on the stories you had to work a bit more yeah. with them okay yeah, yeah. well that's um a, quite a um a cool insight into how if if we want to do our own stories gather our own mm. stories from our own families um how to go about it i mean i've met a lot of um many times i've met some wonderful people and uh and i just think oh i wish that which we could record what mm. they're telling us you know which you've done so well thank you so much for creating um a book that captures the essence of um life in new zealand over such a um, a wonderful long period of time. I hope we get to catch up and chat again about your future works. Yeah. And um, all the best. We'll see you again. Kaikete Anoa, Renee. Oh, thank you very much. This program was brought to you by Auckland Libraries. Find us online at aucklandlibraries.govt.nz and Catch the program next Sunday at 9.35pm on 104.6 FM or anytime online at planetaudio.org.nz slash books and beyond.